listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. All right. Should be ready to go. And, um, yeah, I think that's everything. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 223, Glenn Hughes, L.A. Blues Authority, Volume 2, Glenn Hughes Blues, Part 1. Woo! And coming to you off the heels of a Wisconsin vacation, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John Tornado Watch Matola. Oh my goodness, do you have a tornado watch? We did yesterday. A watch or a warning? Um, watch. Okay. Which I was gonna I was gonna text you about that because I'm like, oh Nate knows all about tornadoes, but I'm like, <laughs> so does Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably more than me. Like, <laughs> I'm so no I guess the the uh the watch is less severe than the warning. Yes, correct. Um right. Not to one-up you, but we had two warnings here in the last, like, five days. <laughs> the tornado's on the ground, like, I don't know, a couple miles from here. Um, I mean, I mean, this is also, I don't know which one is, like, more the, the place that always gets a tornado watch or warning or the place that gets one every, like, 10 to 15 years. I feel like either way, nobody gives a shit and everyone just ignores it. Like, ah, it's fine. And like, they just like start driving. I've been at work before when we've had to like basically be like everybody out like this attorney or, or not out, but like in the back and people and yeah. people are just like, ah, who cares? It's not a big deal. I'm like, no, there's there's literally a tornado on the ground right now nearby. <laughs> like, let's not nearby. Let's not take it to chance. And of course, a lot, you know, a couple summers ago. That happened here and my brother and sister-in-law, you know, went into the mm -hmm. basement and it literally went through their backyard and ripped half their roof off. Yep, I remember you told <laughs> so you, yeah, like, you told the story about it a couple of times. Yeah. And then my brother-in-law comes out and is like, he like comes out from the basement. And he's like looking outside. He's sending us videos like, oh, it looks like it's not that bad. It's like, get back in the basement. And then he finds out later that when they show the, <laughs> the actual path that went through their backyard. But um, oh yeah, we had one. My parents had just come in town for the boy's birthday and we had to get them. And my mom has a little trouble with stairs. She's not very mobile. So we got everyone in the basement and got them back up. And then um, uh, our uh we we took a trip to Wisconsin uh, once again, but this time just me and Jen, no kids. The first time we've done that um, since she was pregnant with uh, Josie, which was uh, wow. eight and a half years ago. Wow! <laughs> so eight, first time in Good eight and a half you. years we've been on it. You know, just two nights, but it was a lot of fun. Um, Good went for to you. Did you uh, defile any hotel rooms? Hey yeah, we did. We <laughs> threw the we threw the fridge out the window. <laughs> We uh, lit the couch on fire. We're real rock stars. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so then we got like a, a notice. We were out for dinner and we got a notice. Oh, there's a hark, uh, tornado warning. And I was like, ah, shit. So I'm like texting my parents. And, like they were already in the basement. And, like, so, they got, so we skipped that one. Uh, but it was really bad weather driving up. But yeah, we went up to Madison. It was great. Um, and we, we uh, went to the, they had a really, really awesome farmer's market on Saturday. And I brought back. Um, well, if it's the, licorice, put it away. No, cinnamon rolls. Look at these cinnamon Ooh. rolls. They're oh, absolutely. Those, are the, those look 
Amazing. They, I gotta say, without any exaggeration, the best cinnamon rolls I've ever had. These are now two days old, but I had one for breakfast. Well, I had a part of one for breakfast because they're just too damn big. Um, but look <laughs> at that. Look at the... No such thing. The, oh. the inside there with the... The icing is just, oh, man, it's dripping like caramel on me. Oh, my God. No, a couple of weeks ago when I went to the White Mountain region uh, when I was on vacation. Oh, is that where you a, went? Yep. And so there's a small uh, there's a small bakery up there that, um, you know, has been there for a few years and I wanted to go in. And so, um, you know, every day I would go in and get, um, you know, go, uh, you know, convince convince Pops to go up there because his first thing was is just like, hey, let's go up to this this local locally owned cafe where they make everything and they got baristas and everything. And he looks at his phone. He's like, ah, there's a Dunkin' Donuts like right down the street. And I was <laughs> just like, typical no. New Englander. <laughs> oh, why do you want to go to Dunkin' Donuts? So I forced pops to go to this place. He wound up liking it. But every morning we would go and get something. And the last day I got a cinnamon bun because our cinnamon roll, because I saw him in there. And sometimes I am, skeptical of cinnamon rolls because yeah. if you don't if you don't bake them right or you over bake them then they can get dry especially on top mm-hmm. and around the edges mm-hmm. these were like i don't know how like i would say yours look like they're more substantial but these were also fantastic cinnamon rolls like moist mm-hmm. like chewy like i don't i don't know how to describe it like just icing just oozing like i saw the icing when you were taking the, the mm-hmm. taste over there it was Oh, oh nothing perfect. better than a good cinnamon roll. Nothing worse than a horrible cinnamon roll. Oh, and like it's so yeah, they're like like you said, they're so easy to ruin. And, yeah, because um, they yeah because they can get very dry. But I'm yeah, normally yours look very moist. They they are very good, and this is like you know we've got these Saturday morning, and here it is Monday, and they're still good. Um, like so, so, like usually for breakfast, I have something like I'll have oatmeal or like. A, a fiber cereal like I'm like really low calorie really you know, nothing I'm not like a like I just usually start my day out like that otherwise I just have to take a nap or am I having an upset stomach or both um <laughs> but I literally had one of these full full cinnamon rolls for breakfast that day and I just was like I don't even I don't even care like I'm just, I'm just going for I'm going for broke and it was just so good I even had a coffee I I started drinking coffee again recently like but yeah. not every day just like here and there so I was like after 11 years, I decided it's time to just put coffee back in the rotation. Um, no, but but yeah, not? great great trip. Madison, Wisconsin, highly recommend it. Some really great restaurants. Um, it was nice. And it's Sounds amazing good. how easy it is traveling without kids. Like I literally got home from work and we were like behind on a few things. I actually had to upload the show and I screwed it up because <laughs> it didn't post this morning. And I, I woke up to all these messages. Hey, there's no show. There's no show. And I'm like, God, of all the trouble we went through and it, it somehow got saved as a draft. So I just had uh, to like click publish and then it was immediately up. But so, yeah, I was about seven hours late today. I know um, I was uh, first thing like when I get up and go to the car. Um, you know, get ready to drive to work Monday morning. Like I'll, all of my Monday morning podcasts will load up. And so it'll be like, uh, you know, us, Pot of Thunder, whatever. And then Pot of Thunder comes up and I'm waiting for us. And I'm like, where are we? So I'm like pulling it down to refresh. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I said, maybe it's stuck somewhere in Wisconsin. Yeah. I left, I left the podcast in Wisconsin. Mm. Yeah. Like, so, so fortunately for our North American listeners, especially our West Coast listeners, it probably wasn't a big deal, but for everyone, everyone in Europe was <laughs> messaging on Discord, email, <laughs> private wow. message, you know. 
But that's good. That's good that people actually give a crap. You know, yeah. some people some people just load it up and listen to it later in the week anyway, so it's not a big deal. But those those first thing Monday morningers, we let them down. So I'm sorry. I know that um, happened once before, or I yeah. said it for ten o'clock or twelve o'clock p.m. instead of a.m. So yeah. it like it, it waited a long time. So um, anyway, sorry about that, guys. But um, yeah, we're 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 back. We're we're up and running and. Um, Excited about today's episode. Um, uh, before we get into that, though, there is a few ways you can support our show. Um, one thing uh, is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Two is you can buy some merch at our Etsy store. You can also become a patron on Patreon or on PayPal for as little as $1 a month. Have help support the show. All the money goes back into the show. Uh, into our our rainy day computer fund and uh, buying albums to review and potentially getting tickets for concerts, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and um, yeah, maybe even good quality cinnamon rolls. No, I didn't dip into the Patreon fund for these. I paid for them with my own money. Um, you can also um, donate on Cash App for dollars at dollar sign DPPOD or support us on Ko-fi. Um, speaking of live shows, Glenn Hughes in September coming to the Palladium in Worcester, Mass., September 19th with Ingve. Please uh, let us know if you're going to go. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to where to buy tickets. And if you're going to be there, let us know for the meetup. And any any news on the meetup? Uh, not yet. Um, there is a place out there that has um, actually been there for quite a while. Um, that's a few minutes from the venue. It's called Armsby Abbey. Ooh. And... Um, it's, um, you know, it's a, a bar restaurant type of place, but it's, um, I know that it's been up there since like, I remember going up to Worcester for, uh, concerts with like, uh, E-Rock and Derek. So mm. that's how long ago. So, um, recently within the past, you know, few years, I think the last time was when me and E-Rock went to see the Dio hologram tour. Oh, that's right. Which you discussed um, on this very show. Yeah. Couple um, I had looked, ago. looked that place up and I was like to see if it was still there. And I'm like, oh, remember this place we should go. And we went. It was really good. I don't know if it's, you know, I can't remember back that far if it has changed or under new management or whatever. But, um, you know, great, um, you know, great beer, cider selection, you know, some food, whatever. So, um, you know, I'm thinking, um, you know, we're having uh, some people we know are going. We plan to, you know, go with some people. So, um, you know, I want to you know, call ahead. Uh, their reservation calendar is open like uh, 20, I think it's about 20 days. So like about three weeks before you can make a reservation. So I mm -hmm. kind of want to get a head count and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe give the restaurant a heads up and uh, just say, hey, if we're like a group of more than a dozen, you know, it's like, would you facilitate us or, you know, could we make a reservation or have like, you know, a back table or something so we could just hang out and not get in the way and, you know, do something cool like that. So if uh, anybody's in the area, um, you know, message us and let us know if you want to meet up and, um, you know, we'll, you know, let you know how it's going as we get closer. You didn't name drop that it was the Deep Purple podcast. You figured they'd just shut the whole operation down for us. Give us, a, <laughs> give us a whole floor of a hotel, close the whole dining room. Sorry, the Deep Purple podcast is here tonight. I mean, that would that would probably be like the, the rest of the Patreon money to secure that. <laughs> and then some. <laughs> that would be like, for, if I mentioned from, from the Deep Purple podcast, they might be like, you're not welcome here. <laughs> I think more than likely they'd be like, 
what? <laughs> the, 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 the who purple what cast? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe my friend George Washington here can convince you. <laughs> the best thing we could do. Also, uh, um, oh, yeah. A, so a, 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 yeah. So yeah. More to come on that. Uh, hopefully, um, hopefully we'll be able to. Get, John will be there at twelve o'clock midnight, ready to secure those those uh, reservations. I mean, you there's already what? seven or eight of us uh, as nice. it stands now. So if anyone else is coming, let us know. Um, yeah, generally like said, record not... these episodes pretty far out, but this one yeah. in particular is coming out pretty soon after it's recorded. So um, hopefully we have some time to get those numbers. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm not, I'm not expecting anything like, you know, too huge, but it's always nah, nice to, uh, 10, 12 people max. Oh, I, yeah. would, I would think at most, uh, just, you know, based on how many people are around and, um, you know, but it's, it's, um, it, it kind of reminds me of when we went out, uh, when we were in, uh, C and D purple in Jersey and everything, it's nice to, you know, have a, a space where, you know, you have a lot of people can go like when we went out, um, before dinner and then I'm um, sorry, before uh, the show. And then we went out after to that, yep. uh, that really cool place out there where we had drinks and everything. It was, it was a little bit later and it was, um, you know, not as full, but, um, you know, we're going, you know, prime time or before, um, you know, I've been to, um, other meetups, uh, usually like uh, kiss meetups where it's way more people and way more fanatical, but oh, I, know yeah, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that, um, I know that, um, at times the guys that have organized that usually will call the bar and, see if there's anything that they could do. And sometimes there is, and sometimes they're just like, yeah, well, you know, we'll seat you in like a back section or, yeah, you know, I'll tell you what like we that. can do. Uh, you order some drinks and we'll charge you for them. How's that sound? <laughs> uh, Nate, you wise guy. It's <laughs> about all they're going to do. Um, but, um, yeah, actually, um, in kind of a random note, um, Stitcher is closing down. I don't know if they have already, but, um, huh. The Gardo sent me the note, and I had, I'd kind of come across it, but I never really used Stitcher, but I know the people that use it really yeah. love it uh, for podcasts. It's going to be shutting down, I think. Yeah, when did they say? I, I want to say they said sometime in um, um, sometime in August? Let's see. Uh, August 29th, it'll officially close. And as we're recording this, it's the 17th of July. This will come out. This episode will drop. When is this episode coming out? On the 24th of July. So, yeah, you'll have a little over a month. Um, but yeah, uh, if you're going to have to migrate to something else for your podcasts, um, uh, what do you use to listen to your podcasts? Um, I, I use Apple podcasts. Yeah, I used, I used that for a long time. I don't know why I switched, but I switched to overcast a few years ago and I really mm -hmm. like it. It's just a little more, I found like the redesign of Apple podcasts got a little cluttered. I mean, for me, it works, um, especially because like uh, right now, the podcasts that I listen to, I'm all typically I'm, I'm caught up on them. Like, I don't like uh, I mean, you can't, you know, for like our episodes, go back and listen to past episodes. You got to find them through other um, other podcatchers. But, you know, for up to date episodes, it, it works for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So um, for those of you using Stitcher, uh I don't know if, if anybody, I guess in our social channels or in discord, if anybody else has a, a, a an alternative that they like, uh, let us know. I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to switching either. I know a lot of people listen to us on Spotify. Um, I never really did Spotify for podcasts. Um, so probably just cause I've been using, you know, Apple podcasts for so long. Um, you know, I, I actually was, I was a really, really early in on the podcast scene. I was, you know, listening to podcasts in 2004 when there were 20 podcasts. Um, 
<laughs> in the world. <laughs> yeah, like total. Um, and back then you had to like download them to your computer and then sync them to your iPod to be able to listen to them. And that's mm. how I did it. Now it's just so easy to just stream them and get them. But I remember, you know, if, if I didn't have time or if I was late or if I forgot or if something went wrong and, you know, I'd get on the train and realize, ah, I don't have the most recent up, updated episode and be so annoying. Um, but yeah, Stitcher going away, unfortunately. It's, it's sad because it, they've been a big, big player for a long time. So um, in other news, there's this new thing where we're going to be uh, – I'm going to be hook, setting up our episodes on. It's called Picked Cherries. And I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but they've emailed us a couple of times with links, but it's, it's pretty easy. You just – you put this – in it, just like any other service like Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, you just set up your podcast on it. And the thing that's different about this is I think it's got like a social component to it. So like if you wanted to share snippets of it, like always oh, a 30 second clip that was funny or whatever, and you could send it to your friend or post it or whatever. Or like Runar Simonson can post it with a beautiful view of the uh, Norwegian mountains like you did on Discord the other day with like <laughs> with our stupid voices in the background ruining the scenery. <laughs> um, probably the most beautiful spot that our podcast has been played. But um, so, yeah, we'll put it on there. Maybe no one will use it. Maybe the service will go out of business. Who knows? But um, should be interesting. Maybe it'll blow up and we'll be getting in on the ground floor. Yeah, we'll be like the picked cherries kings. People will be picking our cherries like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> Oh boy! This, this right here could be a picked cherry. Um, all right, I can, I can already I can already read the text coming from Rich. Yeah, about how inappropriate that sounds. <laughs> yes, God for God forbid that uh, we we offend Rich's delicate sensibilities. <laughs> oh no, he's just gonna hear that and be like, "Oh, well, I'm running with it." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna he's gonna make it even worse than we could possibly imagine. <laughs> we think pick cherries is going one place. It turns it totally even somewhere even farther south. <laughs> um, so speaking of our patrons, as we were earlier at the executive level coming in at the $25 uncommon man tear, we have Ovis Nakvi um, at the what is it? The oh, I'm sorry. Ovis Nakvi. And of course, Purple Maniac coming in at the 15 squid tier. We have Alan. <laughs> At the $10 Good Doctor tier, we have Dr. Jill Brees and Dr. Mike Catan. At the Turn It Up to $11 tier, we have Clay Wambacher, Frank Tealgard Mortensen, Mickelstein, and Will Porter, PhDPP. At the $10 Someone Came tier, we have Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, and Better Call Saul Evans. At the Husaween by 2033 tier, we have Fielding Fowler. And at the In Memoriam tier, the wonderful Gerald, Jerry Kelly, and his family. Thank you so much for their support. Um, you can also check out Like-Minded Shows at deepdivepodcastnetwork.com. There's a main master feed there where all of our shows update. So whatever's the latest show at the moment will be at the top, and you can search through it. All sorts of all sorts of bands. Too many to mention. Some of the shows do a really good job of actually mentioning every single show in every episode, and we did that for a while until it got to, like, about 18 shows. Um, <laughs> so bands yeah, like— much. Aerosmith, Black Sabbath, Queen, uh, etc. etc. Or <laughs> Chili Peppers. <laughs> if you like any of those, etc. etc. Um, just check it out. Um, okay, I think that's all of our housekeeping that we have right now. Um, now here we are. Here we are with 
Glenn Hughes, L.A. Blues Authority, Volume 2, Glenn Hughes Blues. Part 2? Volume 2? I don't know. But whatever. <laughs> it's a very long album title. Um, John, what can you tell me about this album? Maybe, I don't know, maybe more than you think. Uh, because oh. I've actually, I actually heard it. Oh my goodness. Um, I, I bought it when, on cassette when I was still doing cassettes. Oh, okay. Because... And well, I think I was out and obviously out shopping for for music. And I saw that Glenn Hughes had a, a new album and I almost didn't recognize him because I was just like, oh, look at this poser cut his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this poser on the motorcycle? <laughs> Who's this poser? But um, but I was like, OK, like, I mean, at, at the time it was, it was just like, it was a new, it was new Glenn Hughes music. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know how much other stuff he did or didn't have. It was just, I saw the name and I'm like, gotta buy it. And, um, you know, I bought it and I thought it was uh, pretty cool because I thought, um, you know, I liked some bluesy kind of stuff and, um, you know, it was, it was Hughes doing his thing. So, um, I don't remember a lot of the album, um, or anything, but I actually, at first I thought it was like, some kind of, because of the title, I thought it was like some kind of compilation. Yeah. Or like, I don't know what I thought it was. Like volume two, like it was kind of weird. Like Blues Authority volume two. I'm like, oh, is this like an album that Glenn Hughes is on? That's like a, like a compilation of things. And there were other people too, but it turned out, I guess, to be a solo album mm -hmm. of his. Like it was the one where he was back, so to speak. Like when he, where he cleaned up and. You know, this was his return to recording albums. At least that's what I remember reading and hearing about it. But um, but yeah, so the, the title was confusing. But nonetheless, I, I remember moderately enjoying it. All right. How about you? I am 99.9% .9 sure that I've never heard this album. Hmm. So um, definitely interesting for me like it's one of those ones that i've seen kicked around for whatever reason i probably just wasn't able to track it down on cd and i i, I don't know I, I don't think i was super familiar with it um at the time and i don't know for for whatever reason it never kind of crossed my my path hmm. i never never listened to it um but the interesting thing is there is an la blues Authority Volume 1, and it is a compilation, and it was it, some of the same people were involved in this one, the same executive producer, so I think they were trying to kind of make something happen, and this was Volume 2. I don't know why this ended up just being kind of a Glenn Hughes solo album and why the other one was a various artist, although there are a lot of various artists on this one. I don't know if it's just one of those things where... They started off with an idea, and then it just ended up Glenn Hughes singing on every track. But uh, the yeah. first volume looks like almost like it would be a little heavier because it's got a lot of um, it's got a lot of metal folks and hard rock guys on it. It's got James Lomenzo, Zach Wild, uh, Phil Susan, mm. Brad Gillis, uh, mm. Steve Lukather, Richie Kotzen, Stu Ham. Pat Thrall and Glenn Hughes are on one of the tracks. Uh, Kevin Dubrow doing uh, doing uh, vocals. Um, George Lynch. So yeah, it's a pretty pretty yeah, good. Sounds... Paul Gilbert. It's a pretty good uh, yeah. lineup. It sounds would be like a little more like 
yeah, like um, like glam rockers yeah. doing blues because the L.A. Blues Authority. I mean, that's right in the name there. But I, I wonder if um, I mean, I don't remember anybody who was on this album except Hughes. But I mean, did he maybe have a different backing band for each track or get a bunch of like rotating guest musicians, kind of like the the Iomi solo album where he was the constant, but there were other people and maybe they meant it to be that kind of thing. Like, and yeah. he just wound up being on all of it and they called it a, a Hughes album. I don't know if it's just cause Glenn Hughes ended up singing every song. So it was probably just like, well, let's make this a Glenn Hughes thing, but um, who knows why that decision was made. But um, yeah, this one is not quite as varied as the last one, but there are a lot of rotating casts of characters um, on this one. So for starters, obviously you've got Glenn Hughes on bass and vocals. You've got uh, Tony Franklin on bass. He plays bass on a quite a few tracks. Um, so obviously we know him from uh, The Firm. He played with David Gilmore, Jimmy Page, uh, Gary Hoey, um, uh, Blue Murder with John Sykes. Uh, drums, Gary Ferguson. Um, so he worked with Billy Preston, Eddie Money, Hughes Thrall. He, would, he did drums on the Hughes Thrall album. Um, uh, keyboards, Mark Jordan, who played with a lot of folks. He did like a lot of country stuff like Link Ray, Bonnie Raitt, but he also played with Van Morrison, Buddy Guy, Dave Mason, Sammy Hagar, um, a rhythm guitar, Craig Erickson. Um, he's uh, he, He's got a bunch of solo albums, guitarists from Iowa. Uh, interesting, like the Gary Ferguson and Craig Erickson. I like, was reading it quick and I thought it said uh, Craig Ferguson. <laughs> I thought, and I know Craig Ferguson was a, a musician. Like I think he was in a punk band before he went into comedy. And I was like, wait a second, is this like a collaboration with Craig Ferguson? This would be amazing, but it is not. Um, and then um, uh, additionally, so for for um, on the technical side, they've got Steve Font Fontano is doing the production. He was the executive producer as um, I'm sorry, there was an executive producer as well but Steve Fontano being the producer with Glenn Hughes um, he did that first album and you'll see a lot of folks he worked with Racer X hence the Paul Gilbert connection he worked he did a bunch of stuff with Cacophony uh, you know Marty Friedman and J Jason Becker's group yeah uh, he worked with Cher Pat Travers UFO um, Marty Friedman solo and um, he was an engineer and producer on your, your one of your favorite albums uh, one of your favorite albums by Wasp <laughs> That you brought into your Catholic high school to be played. Oh boy. <laughs> um, uh, executive producer uh, Ken Chianciamino. Chianciamino. Um, he only has a few credits on Discogs, but do you want to know what one of them is of the four or five credits he's got? What? I'll give you a hint. It's another Glenn Hughes album. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> what is first one? Let's just say it's it, it's a Glenn Hughes album you might like to listen to while you're drinking some eggnog, sitting by the fire. <laughs> the Christmas album. Yep, he's he he was the producer on the on the Christmas album, the executive oh. producer. Um, and then the co-producer Mike Varney also worked on your favorite Wasp album. Also worked with Cacophony, Richie Kotzen. So, um, so yeah, some interesting, an interesting mm. pedigree here. Some some names, some yeah, names some, attached to this. A lot of names and a lot of uh, a lot of connections to Cacophony. I remember, Cacophony was 
I remember Paul had the Cacophony album. Uh, both two of them, I think. One of what's one of them is like uh, it's got um <laughs> one of his favorite songs is Savage. <laughs> you remember that savage. one? Savage. Savage. I'm a savage. Whoa! I don't know. <laughs> In the night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't remember a lot of cacophony, to be honest. But <laughs> it was mostly. But like they, they, you know, they, why. they got generic. They always had like some generic um, drummer and generic uh, singer on their albums. Mm. Uh, although I actually I think their first one might have been with no music. I just or, or no singer. It was one of those things. It's like this music doesn't need a singer. You don't need lyrics. Just, just do sweep arpeggios. <laughs> yeah, for seventy-two minutes or whatever. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't think they were quite that long. But just uh, be done with it. Your fingers would fall off. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. That's. I don't. There's not a ton of info out there on this one that I can find. It's very much glossed over when he in his in his. Um, the, in his books and stuff, hard to. It's one of those kind of albums that doesn't. That I, anyway, I'm not familiar with a ton of reviews or anything like that. So if anyone's got any, let us know after the fact. Um, maybe we'll edit the show and put them in. No, we won't do that. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's L.A. Blues Authority Volume Two. And mm. with that, let's go to the uh, the album art here. See what we see what we got over here. And as we talked about earlier, this is maybe what this is the poser that John was referring to. I <laughs> <laughs> see when I saw be- this, this was kind of his Michael. Uh, I'm sorry, his George Michael phase. Like I always <laughs> when I see him like this, and even like later on, like Addiction. I, I feel like this is where he kind of linked up with George Michael and kind of matched his style for a few years and on the addiction cover when he's got the super short hair and like the no glasses i feel like george michael had that look at that same time like they were it was like keeping up with the hughes's or keeping up with the michaels or whatever but um what do you think of this album cover i mean now that i look at it it looks like almost like it was like a similar shot to the (laughs) to the christmas album you know it's like it's him in like a friggin suit on like a motorcycle, it's not even him like on a... He pulls up on like, the motorcycle and is like, okay, I'm ready for the photo shoot for the album cover. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're done. <laughs> but, he's, but he's wearing a fucking suit. It's just like, he's not wearing like ripped jeans or like a leather jacket or anything. He's just like rolls up in this baggy ass like... <laughs> Well, well look at his baggy ass suit. It was 92. So yeah, you'd expect that, you know, the suits are going to be pretty baggy. But I mean, I don't, I mean, well, first of all, I mean, I think that overall it's not... It's not a bad album cover. I think it's kind of like generic. I think if you took off the L.A. Blues Authority volume two and you just cut that out. Yeah. And you had like the Glenn Hughes blues, it might be cooler. But it's like, look at the guys like kind of faded out in the back a little bit. I mean, they're all obviously like metal guys. And then Hughes rolls up looking like he's going to sing Faith or a father figure. (laughs) More father figure. (laughs) (laughs) right or some shit like that and it's like i don't know i don't i don't get it like i mean i the one part of me thought that it was cool though because it's like all right he's trying to be like a blues man which i mean i don't know that that's what a blues man looks like but i mean you know he's got this he's got the short you know he's got the brush back so he's got a clean la blues man looks like (laughs) yeah but i mean it's i don't know if it's supposed to be an la album you should dress like an la artist and that is not at the time, that was not it. It's just like, it looks like the, he looks like he was like tagging along behind like Motley Crue and the Girls, Girls, Girls album cover shoot. And he's like, come on, guys. And they're like, no, you don't look cool enough. 
<laughs> yeah, they kind of have that, like, the guys in the background have that um, early 90s, like, we don't know if we want to be glam or grunge quite, you know, like, they they could they mm -hmm. would mix up some, you know, the, the vest with no shirt on uh, underneath it and the, uh, you know, the plaid shirt and that the fedora and all, you know, there's all this kind of super long hair, but they didn't tease it anymore. You know, long hair, round sunglasses, uh, you know, like quasi skateboarder, quasi grunge, like, yeah, very know, bizarre flannel era. tied around. Even Megadeth looked like that in the 90s. You know, remember they they Dave Mustang yeah. would have a flannel tied around his waste you know it was just the style yeah so i mean uh and i mean hughes has had some uh some interesting styles over the year you know that years i mean that could probably be it could probably be another one of <laughs> our next styles episode glenn hughes i'm sure we by, by popular demand another styles episode oh god yeah by popular demand we we'd have more people donating to keep us from doing one um <laughs> well There'd be one person donating to keep us from one. <laughs> but um, but anyways, um, the, the thing that I do like about the album cover, though, is the colors, because I do like I am drawn to warm colors. Yep. Um, I do like, um, you know, like red and like that kind of like orange rust and the yellow and everything. Those are colors burnt that I sienna. just. Yeah, burnt sienna, oh, my favorite crayon. And um, <laughs> <laughs> but those are colors that I do like. So, I mean, I do like the color scheme on the album. I just think that it's like, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's feels kind of generic. -y. Yeah. I, th I think like, like you said, it does look, it has that look of, and I think it's probably that Ellie blues authority volume two up to the top. It just has that look of like, this is a various artists album. Right. And that's and, what I thought it was. And if you'd heard the first one, you'd have good reason to believe that. Uh, but right. it, then it says in big, it, it's, it's, so it's a little, uh, unsure of what it wants to be. Is this a Glenn Hughes album? Is this a continuation of the previous series? We see a lot of the same musicians coming back, same producer, but it's, yeah, so it's a little weird. It never looked to me like, I don't know, I, I always kind of in a weird way didn't consider this part of his solo catalog, uh, even though it it is. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, in the songwriting and all, all of that, but um, yeah, it's well, just... I think it's because it's, it's, it's very specific, though, you know? It's like, it's like, all right, this is this is my blues album. Yeah. And then everything else was just like Glenn Hughes music, which I mean, you know, runs the gamut, you know, it can be heavy, it can be soulful or whatever, but it wasn't like, you know, the LA soul authority volume two, <laughs> you know, and then the next was the LA metal authority volume two. It's just like, he was all those regulatory just, agencies that, uh, <laughs> that preside <laughs> over music in LA. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's that's why I think, yeah, this one is kind of an oddball in the catalog. But I do remember, I want to say it was the liner notes of this album were like him kind of telling the story of how this was like his his quote unquote return to music after like being, you know, messed up for so many years. And now he's clean and he's singing the blues, which I don't know what that has to do with anything. But right. Yeah. So I, could, yeah, I did, could be way off. I forget. But He did clean up. This wouldn't be it wouldn't be his final uh time he did you know have some some other ons and offs with with drugs throughout the mid 90s but thankfully for so i think 26 27 years or so he's been he has been mm -hmm. clean um but yeah he looks a little bit you know he looks like he's taking care of himself he's a little better and um 
Yeah, I wonder if there's if like go, going back to the L.A. Blues Authority, it'd be great if there was like like an inspector that that came around, <laughs> like, just make sure you were actually bluesy enough to to you know, like, hey, I'm here with the, the I'm here with the city. I'm, I work for the Blues Authority. Uh, it gives you his control. He gives you his card, and he's just I'm a, a government regulatory agency. I'm just gonna be check. I'm just gonna be asking you a few questions. Just look poking around. He's like, huh, Harley Davidson. Okay, that's good. Ooh, baggy suit. I'm gonna need to cite you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Comes in, he's, he's got like he's got like a probe thermometer and he's sticking it in one of the amps. <laughs> mm, not bluesy enough. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So that's that's the front cover. Then we got on the inside, uh, you know, kind of the 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 rundown of who's playing and everything. Um, oh, it, there it then, is. And then he has, yeah, he has his little thing. He says, uh, on September 1st, 1992, I got a call from Mike Varney and Ken, ah, sorry again, Ciancimino. 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 Sounds Italian. Ciancimino. They asked me if I would like to do a blues album. In the last couple of years, I've received many letters from fans who would like uh, to hear me sing the blues. I thought what a great idea for me to write and sing about the serious changes that have taken place in my life over the past year. I made some calls to some close friends and they came down to the studio and jammed with me. This album was recorded and mixed in the first two weeks of October and is dedicated to all my fans all over the world. This record is just the first of many new Glenn Hughes albums to come. It's a good... It's good to be back one day at a time, Glenn. And it's, um, you know, he says this is the first of many new Glenn Hughes. I can imagine a bunch of people at the time being like, yeah, right. You haven't done anything since Play Me Out 15 years ago. And now you're going to start releasing albums. But they were obviously proven wrong because he just started oh, oh, yeah. cranking out albums like crazy from this point on. Um, so whether, you know, and that's just solo albums. Never mind all the different various uh, artists. Oh, that yeah. Played with, absolutely, yeah. Um, then it's got uh, you know just this a special thanks to my higher power. Um, think talking about Jesus, um, Christine, my love, my light, my friend, my soulmate. So I don't, I don't know who that is, <laughs> but Ooh. Christine. I, I Christine, think Christine. I thought thought his wife was Abby, uh, uh, Gabby, but Gabby. It sorry. is yes, <laughs> Christine. Christine did not stick around. I don't think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you know his parents and all that sort of stuff. So um, you oh, know. Oh wait a minute, Christine is his. Wait a minute, who's divine light? Wait, oh wait, Jesus was his divine light, but so was Nan Ball, his who's guiding light. Nan Ball was his guiding light. Yeah, how many lights does this dude have? <laughs> Got more lights than Broadway. <laughs> oh, uh, all right, but anyway. All right. So, yeah, there you go. Um, then we've got, you know, the CD here. Uh, very early 90s looking CD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. Just the the the, the negative at, space stripe. It says Glenn Hughes look, Blues. Look, look at the thing on the stamp on the side. The International Blues Bureau. Like, <laughs> There's more regulatory agencies involved. What the in hell this? was going on in the early 90s with blues? Come on. It was a highly, this was a highly regulated time before they went in and stripped out all those regulations <laughs> to make it easier to make the blues. Nobody's making blues music anymore. It's like, how can we with all these regulations? They're stifling us. <laughs> I can't do anything. I, I went I on stage know. to do a show the other day. They, they wouldn't let me play because I wasn't smoking a cigarette. This is crazy. <laughs> um, so 
uh, yeah, you got that. And then the back of the album, you got Denim Dan over here. Uh, <laughs> oh, Glenn man. Hughes with the boots. He's got the... So this is more what you'd expect to see on the back of a motorcycle. He's wearing the jeans yeah. and the denim shirt. And there's even a computer there over on the side, like in like an yeah. old, old Macintosh. Friggin' mom jeans are probably like pulled up to his nipples. Yeah, they do look like they go pretty high. Oof. Glenn. He's wearing yep. the Canadian tuxedo there. The Canadian tuxedo, yeah. It reminds me of... <laughs> have you seen Super Troopers, that movie? Oh, it's so good. Yeah, there's one scene where, like, the police chief is, like, comes in dressed like that, and and they say, you know, like, hey, what's with the Denim Dan? What's up with the Canadian tuxedo? And then one of the guys says, you look like the president, chairman, and CEO of Levi Strauss. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can think of when I see this picture. <laughs> Oh, oh um, we love Glenn. <laughs> so yeah, and it, it says it's interesting. It says 1992 Blues International. It's copyright 92, 92 and 93. So as far as I could tell, it came out in 92. But he's saying they recorded it in October. So that would have been a quick turnaround, but not impossible. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's kind of the the uh, that's the um that's what we got for the art there. Um. Before we move on, I think it's a high time. We thank some of our patrons. What do you think? Always. Always. Well, let's go with the core level. Coming in at the $7.77 Keep It Warm Rat tier, we have Michael Vader. At the $6.99 New Nice Price tier, we have Spike the Rock Cat and Sugar Tea. At the episode $6.66 tier, Steve Coldwell, Arthur Smith, Anton Glaving, and Charles Meadows. At the $6.65 Almost Evil tier, we have Kenny Wymore and Michael Bagford. At the... $5.99, the nice price tier. We have Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, and Carl Helberg. At the 60 kroner Scandinavian Knights tier, we have Zwapper the Electric Alchemist and Newt Morton Johansson. At the $5.55 What's Going On Here tier, Richard Fusey. And at the $5 Money Lender tier, John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Elman, Oleksi the Perfect Stranger Slepikoff, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Kev Roberts, Percival Frequency, Scott Zern, Cynthia Doobie, Raph, Kath, and... Where is it? <laughs> I forgot about this one. <laughs> we got Raph, Kath, and... No, that's the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> totally Whatever screwed. you're playing, I can't hear any of it anyway, so... Uh, you can't? No. Oh, man. All right. Well. So you're just... Uh, to, over here, I'm just hearing you laugh at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what else is new? You're like, and... <laughs> and then nothing. <laughs> yeah, apologies to the YouTube folks. I think I did that on the last episode, too. I didn't Don't. share the audio, but... Yeah, what are you going to do? Um, so, uh, in other words, we got Coyote Bongwater. All right. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. And apologies to you work watching on YouTube who just, I probably just looked like a fool going. <laughs> I probably look like a fool normally. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, also have this quote before we get into the, the music, which is um, my first album since finding my higher power. I choose to call him God. I used to call him Glenn, but that pissed him off. 
When Mike Varney asked me to put together a blues project, I thought it would be a challenge, something that I love. This CD deals with my personal demons. It is a healing album written and recorded in three weeks. It's raw and it's real. And then he says his favorite song on this album is Life of Misery and his favorite ballad is So Much to Give. So I don't know if that means a ballad is not a song, but there you go. Um, all right. All right. We're ready to get into these tracks, which I may or may not be hearing for the first time. Yes. All right. Well, here we go. The first track up is a song called The Boy Can Sing the Blues. Predictable. Yeah. A blues a blues album with a song that's got the word blues in the title. Pretty heavy. Yeah. Watch done is done. You need a good shot. Got 2020 vision. It's time to rock and roll. I mean, this sounds like the Glenn Hughes that would carry on through today. Yep, sounds good as always. definitely has uh, more grit to his voice than he has now. Yeah. I mean, the riff is cool. The music is pretty good, but I mean, sounds like every other early 90s band like doing the blues. Like the way it's produced, the way it's yeah. played. I don't know if I would say it's raw. sounds pretty raw I mean it's yeah do you think it sounds cooked well that's a nice little <laughs> boo -do. so the first guitarist the first guitar solo on this is Warren Demartini I'm assuming it's coming up pretty soon. Sound like they didn't plan for that. This apparently is John Norum. Okay. Yeah. 
Pretty all-star cast. Who was playing bass on this one? Was it him? This is Glenn. Yep. I'd say overall, I mean, this is pretty long, so I have five and a half minutes. Yeah. And it is the CD era and a long album, hence the two-parter here. Yes. I think so far it's it's uh, it's pretty good. It's got a good groove. Oh, it was on the Shrapnel label. That explains it. That's That was Cacophony's label as well. Ah. Uh. That was a nice little tasty. Be <laughs> I like that. Be I and this was written by Hughes, Erickson, and Mike Varney. Hughes has a co-write on every track. I like the the fact that, you know, when they do those stops, they're letting the bass ring out a little bit. They're not just cutting it off. So in yeah. that sense, it's got that kind of raw feel. It's not produced to the point where they're editing all that out for effect. Oh, yeah. Here it has the release date is February 1993. So there you go. All right. The boy can sing the blues. What does the boy wearing blue over there think? Hey, I am. I am wearing this boy is wearing blue. <laughs> I don't know why I just did that like Kermit the Frog, but. Um... <laughs> oh, Kermit. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's, that's not, the wrong one. That's no, that's Miss Piggy who says, oh, Kermit. <laughs> and he says, oh, piggy. Right, what do you think, little boy blue? <laughs> um, how did everything just get fours? Get out uh, of here. I, I was just making the, I was just dragging the formula over. Okay. So despite my kind of making fun of it, um, I will say, I'll give it, um, I'll give it a four. All right. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a good opening track for um, what I remember to be an otherwise generic album, but I'm hoping that, you know, maybe I'll find some stuff on here that I remember liking and be proved wrong. But um, um, I, I just think that the only uh, like thing that's not really great about it is I don't like I think the tempo was like a little too slow, like during the verses. And um, that kind of highlighted like these kind of like, I don't know, these the, the lyrics were just kind of dumb, you know, it's like I don't like these songs that are just like these autobiographical like you know this song is about me you know it's like 
I mean, you could hear it. It's just like it just sounded kind of like like this lame attempt to write an autobiographical song. Like you tell that he's like, all right, we wrote and ripped these songs in like three weeks. Yeah, I can tell this one. Yeah. Um, but I think that being said, the guitar solos were were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like that he's got guest guitar players on here and they, they were like they were pretty decent. But I mean, I think like the pacing of the song was kind of like that kind of drum breakdown. You know, yeah. where you that part where you're just like, oh, they they kind of acted like they didn't know where they were going with this. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is kind of like I feel like it's like a like kind of a lame attempt to just be like, this is my my return to rock song, you know? Um, so, and I don't know why I'm making fun of it so much because I gave it <laughs> no, a high rating. Like, <laughs> if I was just listening to what you're saying, this would not sound like a four. <laughs> but, um, but no, over, overall I do like, I don't know, maybe it's because I have good memory of it, you know, because I remember hearing it thinking like, yeah, this is pretty good when I first like bought it. And I mean, I do think that it is like a catchy riff and everything. I just think that's like, you know, the, you know, you know, lyrics are the lyrics and the pacing are kind of off a little bit. Hmm. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to give it a 2.5. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to actually just given like, I just, hang on. I just heard you myself. talk yourself gonna, out of your four. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to back that up to a 3.5. Okay. Oh, no, you just gave a it a 43.5. Oh, that's, that's the greenest shade of green I've seen in this. Yeah, that's going to really alter our our, our averages. <laughs> no, three three point five. I'll 3. bring 5. that down okay. a little bit. Yeah, because I I agree with what you're saying, and I think like the it's like he talking about how he can sing the blues, but I don't know. This doesn't sound that bluesy to me. Like the, his yeah. vocals don't sound that bluesy. I mean, they sound great because it's Glenn Hughes. He always sounds great. Um, but it sounds like, you know, it's that mid-tempo, it's a mid-tempo rocker that Glenn Hughes does quite a bit. Um, yeah. So, and, and I I also don't love when, the, like, a genre is in the lyrics and the title of the song. Like, like this is a, you know, it would happen in the 90s with some of those more, like, those bands that were more borderline and they do like, you know, track track uh, five is funky funk song. It's like, this is our funk song. You know, you know, they do stuff like that or, or, you know, they could say this is, you know, they're referencing the fact that the song is heavy or bluesy or soulful. Right, or, right. Or, yeah, or, I don't like funky. that. Like something that's too self-referential or, are like obviously self-referential but it also and feels like if you have to say that you probably don't feel like it sounds like that so you're trying to push it you know it's like this is our funky song and like, oh okay and then you're like wait a second this doesn't sound funky just because you're saying funky doesn't mean it's funky right or just because you're saying the boy can sing the blues you're like no, the boy can like belt out like vocals that's what he can do yeah the boy can <laughs> sing period but like this and is not the bluesiest thing I've ever heard and I, and I think that that's another thing that you that, that we've mentioned before. I know I've mentioned it before is, is that like I, I applaud Hughes for trying so many different styles of music over his career. But some of it just doesn't land Yeah, because of the style of his voice. And that's really that doesn't mean that he's not any good. And I think it just means it's like, I mean, it would be like if you, you know, you know, took Pavarotti and you put him on a Megadeth album. It's not going to actually, that might be kind of cool. <laughs> I, but, would, I would listen, but you know what I mean? It's like, if you took like a, if you took an opera singer, or if you took like, you know, a, 
you know, like a like a jazz singer and they're just used to singing over, you know, vibraphones all the time. And you're like, all right, sing over this heavy riff. You know, it's like it, it might not translate. Yeah. And I mean, you know, so like Paul Rogers is way more of a blues singer than Glenn Hughes, for example. Yeah. Or so, Coverdale for that matter. Yeah, exactly. Coverdale is, is um, geez, I must be in the Richie state of mind. It's all oh, Paul Rogers. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but like, you think of like, but yeah, you heard like those songs that the two of those guys used to sing back in the days, like Coverdale handed all of the, the really bluesy type of stuff. And I mean, you know, when Hughes does it, you know, now with his, uh, some of the Deep Purple stuff he covers and he does both parts. Yeah. It's okay, but it's not, it's not the same. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And when I think of blues too, it's, blues is so generic, right? And like, yeah, or so, I don't want to say generic, but. The term is, I think. It, it's, it's so it's broadly be, applied when yeah. it's not, like when I think of gl- blues, I think of like Clarence Gatemouth Brown or something, you know, like the, the, not Glenn Hughes, you know, like yeah, somebody that's just like. this is like blues light. Yeah, this grizzled old guy sitting on a, a porch in like Louisiana, just saying like, gravelly voice. And, you know, and he's not saying, oh, I'm so bluesy. I just got so much of them blues. You know, he's, they're not doing that. Was that blues or grunge? <laughs> bluesy, 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 bluesy. But I I feel like all the bands, though, around this time, like the early 90s, like we were just talking about, like the L.A. bands that were like in that in-between phase, they were doing the same thing with their music that they were doing with their look was as they they were going all, quote unquote, stripped down. So it's like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like everybody's throwing slide guitars in there and they're doing their their blues song like, um, you know, or blues intros or whatever. Like, I I hate to I I don't want to say like like Cinderella, right? They were like, I think they were legit, like they legit transitioned into a good, like bluesy sounding rock band. And that was always their background. But I feel like a lot of bands started to do that, you know, this is like, um, um, just everybody, you know, they would be like, have more of that quote unquote stripped down sound. And that equated to quote unquote, the blues, mostly because everybody could play the blues scale. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's all, all based like, on the blues, yeah. Right, metal soloing comes from, if you're doing like uh, yeah, like pentatonic uh, type soloing, um, not like, um, you know, like Yngwie type soloing or Steve Vai or any of that kind of stuff, but yeah, um, more, you know, like the, the straight ahead rock bands. And so it's just like, so, oh yeah, we'll just say that this, you know, we're bluesy now, you know, and it's like, like you said, it's very broadly applied and i think it kind of got watered down around this time because nobody was thinking of people like yeah um you know bb king or muddy waters or like actual yeah blues guys blind lemon jefferson yeah exactly is that real i think so (laughs) is he real i can't i can't remember if it's real or if it's like from the simpsons (laughs) blind lemon jefferson i was like yeah exactly wait is he real (laughs) tootsie childs exactly or was that jazz who knows i don't know i just remember they just in that simpsons episode they're just like um Oh man, I have to find it. They were just like, yeah. We, I think we we did that as a stinger on one of our episodes years ago. Or, no, but it wasn't. It wasn't that one. Somebody said something about Tootsie Childs, and she's like, mm, "That's not good enough for Tootsie Childs." 
<laughs> she, <laughs> she like referred to herself in the, in the third person. Hey, if that's your name, why not? Uh, well, yeah, I would. <laughs> uh, all right. Next track up is called I'm the Man. And it's, I, I only know one, so. Oh, nice. All right, this is cool. Now, who are musicians on this one? On this one, we've got Tony Franklin on bass. John Norman oh, does the tell. first solo, and D. Martini does the second, so they switch. So I know two I'm the Mans, the Joe Jackson one and the Anthrax one that was inspired by it. Hmm. <laughs> Well, you can like hear him scatting along to it. <laughs> it's kind of low in the mix, but it's cool. Wow, that's so obvious. That's Warren D. Martini. Now that you said that. Wow, very low register for Husey. I know. Baseline is great. He tells you the boy can sing the blues, and now he's telling you he's the man. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, right now, with these first two songs, he's telling us, like, who he is. He's gone through puberty between both tracks, even though they recorded it in three weeks. smirk on your face. I'm just dying to hear what you think about his scatting along to it. Fretless wow. bass solo there. This is another one that's almost the same exact length as the previous track. Who's the guitar? The uh, lead John Norum. Oh, okay. So they flip-flopped it. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's Dina Martini is the second one. Yep, he's my turn now. See, I knew they were going to do that, and that's what I was hoping they wouldn't do, which is do back-to-back solos again. So I was a little surprised that they did back-to-back on the first one. I thought they'd space yeah. them out this time. And this sound, I think, is very typical of what Martini sounded like around then, because the Rat albums, like, in the 90s, he had this kind of moved away from that sound that John Norm just kind of did and was trying to do a little bit more 
like a little mellow, laid back, um, you know, type of leads like yeah. this. It's got a very cool beat going in the background, like cool bass line. Yeah. Bass line's the best thing about the song. Yeah, it's very like percussive too. It's like adding to the drums. This one was written by Hughes and Erickson. <laughs> you keep giving me these sideways looks when he does that. seems to be spending most of the song outside of this typical Hughes register here. See, I was really hoping he was going to end with... What do you think of I'm the man? Uh, um, so I'll give it a, um, I'll give it a 3.5. I had to kind of recalibrate my, my ratings. I was like, That's <laughs> you came in hot. I, <laughs> I, I, well, because it's like, the more I heard myself, I'm like, you know what? I feel like I remember this song as I liked it more than I did. And so I had to back off a little bit. So this one, I actually do. I do. There are a lot of things that I do remember liking about it. Um, Especially like the bass in it. I mean, bass breakdown, yep. the best one since Pictures of Home. Oh my yeah. goodness! <laughs> Just throwing that out there. No, it, it definitely was. It was like, but when I um, no, I'm not saying that for sure. But I mean, it was um, it was <laughs> definitely good. And like, I remember thinking that you know, it was it was Glenn Hughes at the time. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like listen to him ripping it on the bass. <laughs> but I mean, it's still cool that it's Tony Franklin. But um. This again is not. Uh, I don't think this is a. This is not blues yet. I don't know. No. Like I mean, I think I think it's cool to hear Hughes do that. That lower register we rarely or maybe haven't heard from him. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I think the the guitar solos were ripping. I like the John Norm one better, but I mean it's definitely a metal solo. That it's not. Like they're not they're not really doing anything too bluesy here. And maybe that's again, that's the whole point of the putting the LA blues authority into saying, hey, these are musicians from LA. So this is gonna have that metal flavor to it. Mm -hmm. But I I agree with you from earlier. It's more of a this is more like rock songs than it is blues songs so far. Although we haven't heard like the we haven't heard the 
Yeah, oh god. If, well, then, uh, god, that would be so much worse. Dun, 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 dun. Oh no. <laughs> or like you know the one four five or like the you know whatever the lazy blue shit. You know it's gonna be in here soon. But I mean, yeah, I can't. I can't hear uh, Memphis Mini pulling off any of these songs or uh, Buddy Boy <laughs> Hawkins. Um, I mean, this is. This is pretty uh this is this is rock <laughs> yeah um and you know that being said i think it's pretty cool i thought that the i think him his scatting is ridiculous i think it's just <laughs> it's like i it, i remember feeling it was so much cooler when i first heard it now i heard it and it's just like i don't know if it was like just listening to it now are you laughing at <laughs> laughing at what my reaction might be when he was doing it <laughs> but the more i listen to it i'm just like this is kind of dumb like i don't know when when i was in a band with so so our buddy dan so when i was in a band with him he <laughs> is know. just like you know the ultimate shredder and he's yeah. like, he's always just shredding and doing like he's he, you know you're just showing off all his chops and everything and he's a great player and um but he would sing too, and that would kind of like he's like he's on guitar sometimes, like Glenn Hughes is on vocals. Um, but he's a great singer too. So there were some songs that we'd play where I would play guitar, and he would just sing. And when yeah. he did that, <laughs> anytime like so, he just has a microphone, so he's just like yeah, and he's just like doing like Steven Tyler sort of stuff. <laughs> he go nuts. So it's I almost wonder if it's something like that where like Hughesy is like. Well, I don't have to play bass on this one, so I'm boom. He's just kind of scatting around. I mean, I think he's pretty reserved through the rest of the song. Um, yeah, but but yeah, I don't know if it's just that, that the the feeling is like, well, if I don't have uh, you know anything else to do, then that's what I'm that's what I'm gonna do. You know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start screaming <laughs> on the microphone. He's standing there while they're playing. He's like. Yeah, I'm not doing anything right now. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, what do you what do you give this song? I'm gonna give it a three point five two. I re- I do like it. I like that's a little more up tempo. Um, I I it's one of those things like I kind of think I recognize it's the scatting is a little silly, but I also kind of love it. Um, yeah, so. I mean it's it's fun because it's Hughes, but yeah, I think I think silly is a good word for it. It is. It's a little silly. It but is. some of my favorite music and, and musicians and everything is a little silly, and that's what I love about it. <clears throat> we're, we're all silly, John, right? All of us. Yeah. In some, in some way. Um, oh, definitely. Okay. Uh, so the next track up is called Here Come the Rebel. Oh, boy. <laughs> you don't like that title? See, here it is. Oh, I thought that was Glenn's voice at first. <laughs> well, no, now he's like, you know, the the boy can sing the blues. I'm the man. Now, here I come. I'm the rebel. Here come the rebel. That's me. Maybe that was inspired by this picture where he rolls up. Look at me. I'm on a motorcycle. This is very <laughs> rebellious. I'm not even wearing a helmet. That would be great if he was wearing a big, a big ass helmet in this photo. 
<laughs> you can't even tell who it is. <laughs> you, know, you photoshopped that for the, being, for the, for the episode. <laughs> Just being responsible. <laughs> Safety first. <laughs> the blues. The blues authority will shut us down if I'm not wearing a helmet. Uh. What is that? Ding ding. That reminds me of like some big song. No, me too. I just can't place it right now. So it's like some good slide work there. And that would be, um, so on this track, we've got Glenn Hughes back on bass and Mark Kendall is on guitar. Oh, it's from uh, Great White. Oh, is that who he is? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's a pretty good bluesy player. This is probably the bluesiest guitar soloing we've heard so far. Yeah. With an obvious rock lean to it. And the riff, too. Yeah. I don't know what that bang bang sounds like a Robert Palmer song or something. Like, like, here come the rebel. Mm. Yeah. Here comes the rebel. I mean, yeah, you can't really say here comes the rebel. Or you could say here I come. <laughs> here I here I come <laughs> in parentheses, the rebel. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. Here I the rebel come. I mean, I think you can get away with Here Come the Rebel if you're like a, a Delta Blues, Pink Anderson type. Which he is not. You know, if it's like, Here Come the Rebel, you know, like it's like. Where if, if it was genuine that they thought that if it was if it was coming from a genuine place, that like grammatical era, error rather, I think it would work better but here come the rebel from Glenn Hughes mm-hmm. like you know yeah. maybe he's just being maybe he's just being rebellious about his grammar <laughs> I don't know I'm, I'm really just I can't figure out what that hook that it's really reminding yeah. me of something that I can't think of because here come the rebel is going on in my head 
But anyway, what do you well, think of here? You, come well, wait a minute. You just didn't, well, you know, you said Robert Palmer, but I know that's not it because it's just like simply irresistible. Oh, maybe that's There's no but telling I mean, where the money went. I don't know. Or the other one? What was the part uh, uh, addicted to love? Uh, might as well feature you're addicted to love. <laughs> I think it's just because it's a it's a bluesy riff. It sounds like a lot of different things. Yeah. But I think that the you're you're kind of yeah, you're kind of on par with the Robert Palmer thing, but I think it's not exactly what we're both thinking about. Mm. I think it sounds most like something else and we're not well, it'll come to us later. Yeah. The the, the standard late night text and we'll be like, damn it, why couldn't we think of it at the time? Or everyone yeah. yelling at their podcast machines right now. All right, mm. what do you think of Here Come the Rebel? All right, so I'm gonna give it a two point five. Um, right. this is my um this is the first of what I'm sure will be a few um LBS lazy blues songs. <laughs> I'm calling it now. I'm making LBA, up an acronym. Lazy for it. blues album. <laughs> LBS lazy blue so no this is a, uh, no this is a IBA inaccurate blues album inaccurate <laughs> they should have called it something else but yeah this is the i think i mean it's it's a it's a hooky kind of riff you know and you can tell that they're using the um you know kind of a twangy sound and pickup for it you know to get that mm -hmm. sound but then like again the solo is just this ripping kind of like rock solo and um yeah, it, it's like, I think it's just them, you know, trying to write a blues song. Yeah. You know, nothing nothing outstanding about it, really. I'll give it a three. I liked it a little bit better than that. But yeah, it was, I mean, everything it's you okay. said, nothing, nothing crazy. So, um, all right. Next track up is called What Can I Do For Ya? Play the blues. <laughs> oh, starting with a drum solo. Wow. Oh, John, that's close. That's close to what you were predicting. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> ah, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, God. It's like it reminds me of one of those songs that would be like on a like a Saigon kick album and it would be called like blues song or something. You're like, yeah, we get it. You know the blues. Saigon kick. Yeah, this is big time LBS. Yeah. But it makes me wonder, since this this album has an executive producer, which you don't see very often on albums, right? It's usually a producer, mm -hmm. but you don't see accredited executive producer. So I wonder if there was that direction be given that like these have to be bluesy songs and they kind of took it in a direction. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool double track vocal there. 
Uh, Did he say play the blues for you? What can I do for you? I can play the blues for you. It's like, oh, God. It's like, I just, I, uh, just hate blues albums where they talk about the blues. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm talking about. Now, what you can do for me is sing Burn for me. Dun, 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 dun. Yep. It's like the classic tricks. Guitar solo. How did you know? This reminds me of that um, that scene at Adventures in Babysitting. Nobody leaves this place without singing the blues. <laughs> now, who's the guitar solo in this? Oh, this one is um, shoot, what is it? Uh, Richie Kotzen. Yeah. I just remember being in bands and being like, let's do a blues song, and you would do like something like this, you know? Yeah. Because you learned it in your Mel Bay book at guitar lessons or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's like, it's oh, yeah, fun, it's to, fun do to do it, do, but it's not but, fun yeah. to listen back to. Was that? What? We say pow pow. <laughs> Is he pretending to fight somebody? <laughs> I don't know if that's in the lyrics sheet here. Yeah, this is like every little blues trope. It's like when you do a song like this, it's like I hesitate to even say you wrote it. Like it's like it's a one four five forget. Like who wrote this? Who knows? But it's been it's just been people have been playing this for a hundred years. Exactly. Just give yeah, give writing credit to like everybody. Like I should be getting a check for this. <laughs> <laughs> for residuals. <laughs> hey look, three cents. <laughs> From the LA Blues Authority. <laughs> yeah, we just uh, due to an accounting error. <laughs> <laughs> this check needs to be cashed in ninety days or it's void. Oh no, my three cents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like who who gets credit for this? It's just true there's truly no way to say who first did the don't no don't no don't it's I don't know, Swamp Ass Jones or. What's the fuss about, girl? <laughs> I'm going to say this is uh, they owe money to Scrapper Blackwell for this one. Or Barbecue Bob. 
Are these real people? I don't even know. They could be. Hard to tell with old blues men. <laughs> I think I heard the premarital sextet do this once. <laughs> premarital sextet. <laughs> that was from The Simpsons. I just remembered it. <laughs> All right. John, what can you do for me? Uh, I... I can give it a two for you. No, actually, <laughs> I'll give it a little higher. I'll give it a 2.5 for you. All right. Um, yeah, middle of the road. I mean, I don't I don't hate the the blues progression, but I mean, it's just like, God damn, it's just so boring. Well, I think you need to do it. And I think when we this came up early on in the in the in the show, when we were listening to some of those the early Deep Purple albums, and it's not exclusive to Deep Purple, but I think the things that the, the the blue songs or the lazy blue songs, as we call them usually, that were the best were ones that you didn't. And if you weren't thinking about it, you didn't even realize they were doing one four five. You know, right? Or because they did something, they contributed something else to the song that was interesting in a way that you just it wasn't until you analyzed that you say, oh yeah, this is just a standard blues thing. And I think yeah, a lot of People do that really well and have done that really well. Um, this is not an example of where it's done super well. It's just kind of, yes, this is this is what you do when you want to put together a blues song. If you just got up on if you got up on stage with any other musicians you'd never played with before and just started going don't do don't do everyone would start <laughs> playing. Everyone would know. This is the part where it's going to go dun 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 dun. You know, you could, and you'd all just lock in and start playing along with with very minimal or few few mistakes. And that's fine. That's one of the beautiful things about this sort of thing. But does it need to be written and committed to an album and say it's like your song? You know, and you could just get up on stage with like twelve other people and be like, "All right, we're going to do this in the key of A." You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or it's then it's. Oh, one of those universal songs everyone knows or everyone can figure out or like you know, some Jimi Hendrix songs that you could jump up on stage and everyone kind of knows the the basic patterns to them. And obviously a lot of that is rooted in the blues, but Oof, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's um, a, like quick sidebar. There was a, um, what was it? Um, the, the G3 mm-hmm. thing, because you were talking about um, jumping, everybody jumping up on stage. It was like, Steve Vai, Zach Wild, Nuno Bencord. It was one of these. It was like a few years ago. And it was, you know, Steve Vai and a bunch of other shredders. And they they were like, I can't remember which Jimi Hendrix song it was. But I mean, when I tell you that it went on, like everybody took a solo and especially Zach Wild. They went on for an obscene amount of time where I was just like, <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> like... <laughs> I wasn't even like, I'm getting tired of this. I'm just like, this is just like, I don't even, I'm bored right now. Like this isn't even music anymore. This is like terrible. Yeah. You know, because it's just like, it it was more about the show, you know what I mean? It was like, because at one point he was like, like Zach Wilde was soloing so much. He was like running into the crowd and everything. And it's like, if you were, if you played back a tape of it, you would like, you'd be like Ian Gillen with the born again album. You'd be tossed it out the window (laughs) in disgust, you know? (laughs) So, and I mean, it was something like, um, which the fire um, or something or purple haze. Yeah. Some, one of those, I, it's I gotta be remember. like one of the, the standards. 
Yeah, yeah. I can't remember offhand, but it was definitely like a Jimi Hendrix song where it's like at that point, you're just like, all right, this is just like, like ruining it. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, less is less. <laughs> yes. more, more is too much. More is way so, too much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm definitely a less is more. You know, it's just like you've, you've seasoned the, you know, you season the roast too much and uh, it's going to be a little too salty. Mm-hmm. Zach so. was a little too salty. But anyways, yeah, that's what this type of thing is. Basically, this is just like it doesn't need to doesn't need to really exist. Yeah, I'll give it a two point five as well. It's like I mean, there's nothing, you know. It's like nothing I can say about it beyond the fact that it's just kind of neutral. It's 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 there. It's like yep, we get it. But it yeah, I don't think it adds anything to the to the blues formula. And I think if you're doing a blues, and you know, one of my favorite blues artists is um um uh. Robert Cray, because mm-hmm. I like he's so the opposite. He's very melodic. He's a fantastic singer, which which really makes a difference. He's a phenomenal guitar player, but I feel like his songs are almost poppy or or they have like this melodic element to them that you don't hear in just like standard run of the mill blues. And I think that's mm-hmm. what's re- another, another really cool thing is you listen to one of his albums and you don't get the sense like, you know, he'll do these really dynamic things and these great guitar solos, these really emotional uh, uh, musical passages where you really feel what what he's playing because he could just make it he, in his voice and in his guitar. He can make it just sound so passionate and so you can just lock into what he's feeling at the moment. Um, but at no point are you just like, oh, this is just a one four five song because he, he's doing interesting things with it. Um, and this is just not that. So yeah. All right. Uh, next track up is called "You Don't Have to Save Me." nice and this is another i think this is yeah tony franklin was on the last song and he's on these next two songs as well who's doing the slide guitar uh demartini again wow he's all over this huh Yep, Mark Kendall does the first solo, Martini does the second. But Mark Kendall is throwing in all the fills that you're hearing. This is more what you expect from like a Glenn Hughes rock track. That's okay. I kind of like that. You don't have to save me anymore. Yeah, again, this is this is one for a five, but I think it's done a little more interestingly. Yeah, no, I would say this one's I like this one. I like the chorus. There we go. 
And I like that he's not like talking about the blues in his lyrics for a change. Yes. <laughs> yes, very much so. Is that him, Glenn Hughes, singing along with the guitar? I think I heard that too. <laughs> I like that kind of took that like little dynamic shift. I guess the LA Blues Authority must have, there must be like some regulation with this, like a minimum number of bass solos that can be on a blues album because they just keep popping them in there. Well, that's the other thing too, is it's just like, what, what is what is like a, a jazzy fretless bass sound have to do with the blues? I mean, nothing, but it's cool. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds to me more like the, the bass belongs at a jazz song. Not that it sounds bad here, but... No, yeah, it's definitely not... bluesy. But, like, all these bass pyrotechnics don't seem to really belong if you're talking about the blues in a blues song. And, like, I feel like we're being way too hard... <laughs> we're being way too hard on them. But I'm I mean, I guess if you call if you call your album blues. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of it, right? Like the whole thing. Like if this album was called the best fucking album ever, then we'd have to be like, OK, well, get prepared to be poked at a little bit. This song is a little more funky than bluesy, which is totally fine with me. Yeah, Tony Franklin's got some, uh, he's got some game. I mean, this is not new information, but... That is, you don't have to save me. But oh, still, is it like fading back in? It's still kind of going there. It sounded like it faded back in almost a little bit. Um, John, what do you think about you don't have to save me? Hmm. You might have to save me from this album. Uh oh. No, this one. This one was actually. Um, Kind of like this one a little better than the other one, so I give it a, I give it a three point five. Um, right. I I like you enjoyed the uh, the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the guitar fills. I like how they they kind of uh, they change keys there on the solo. I noticed you kind of perked up when they did that. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, and the and they just kind of brought it down, and you know, I, I was thinking they were going to like a more like gentle sort of guitar solo, like a la Mistreated, but they, then all of a sudden he started doing all this crazy stuff on the bass. Yeah, like, boom, boom, <laughs> it's doing all this weird. It's like, <laughs> it's awesome. like, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. It's very cool. Um, uh, some of those things, and I mean, when when uh, when Franklin's playing bass there, you know, you can definitely hear it. Mm-hmm. And it makes it makes the song sound really good, you know. It makes them makes them pop. No, no pun intended. Boom, but um, <laughs> what? Not boomstank. <laughs> Dave used to do boomstank. that. Yeah, he called boomstank. Boomstank. <laughs> that was we called slapping and popping. Boomstank. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. This one was uh, this one was definitely um, you know a, a little a little bit above uh, the other ones too. Plus, I feel like. It flowed better, you know, it had like, it had a theme, you don't have to save me, which kind of goes with, you know, I'm guessing his whole, um, you know, being uh, being reborn, finding himself again, but not talking about very obviously about what the theme of the song is. Yeah, I, I'm also giving a 3.5, I actually really like the song, love the chorus. And I agree. I mean, it, to me, it's I'm sure when you're when you're dealing with the the depths of of uh, addiction, um, you know, your loved ones are going to come around you and feel like th- they have to help you and save you. And in a lot of cases, the only person that can do that is yourself. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, people can help, of course, but the, ultimately, if you're not willing to accept that and or willing to put in the work to get yourself cleaned up then it's it's just never going to happen. And it's kind of, to me, it sounds like him saying to the world or maybe to some of his specific loved ones that like, you don't have to save me anymore because I'm saving myself. And it's kind of a, I really like that sentiment and that, you know, the power that he's delivering that those lyrics with. And like you said, it's, he's not saying, you know, singing about the blues. He's singing, he, he's singing, a, you know, heartfelt lyrics about what his struggle he's going through um, in a blues context. And I think it works really well in this song. Or, you know, in this case, maybe he is singing the blues like correctly, which is not saying, Hey, I'm singing the blues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The guy's like, yeah, the, the, you know, the, 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 the blue, the great blues men of years past the, uh, the sleepy John Estes's and the, uh, the Ethel Finney's and blind boy Fuller, you know, they're, they're not, um, they're not, uh, saying, oh, I'm, I'm singing the blues because wouldn't this be fun? Like, wouldn't this be a cool thing to sing the blues? They're singing the blues because they're like living in a, you know, one room house with eight other people on the bayou and, mm-hmm. you know, don't have any indoor plumbing and or no money and no job. You know, that they, they actually do have the blues. They're living it. Um, and, uh, you know, this is this is his legitimate blues that he he was living and dealing with. So it comes across. Well, um, okay. The final track we're going to get into in today's episode is a song called So Much Love to Give. This is like Hendrixy sort of blues. I like it. This was what he said was his favorite ballad okay. on the song. Co-written with Craig Erickson and Tony Franklin on bass. Who's our guitar players here? 
this must be Craig Erickson, because there's nobody else listed. It's got that bluesy sort of little wing, catch the rainbow kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Again, it's bluesy, but it's not hitting you over the head with the progression like some of the other songs. I think so far, Craig Erickson is the best blues guitar player that we've heard. You know, he's Mm -hmm. like... really coming across. Nice little, nice little uh, fretless run there. But it is an interesting sound having that fretless sound on a blues song. Yeah. Trebly sound on that guitar too, like you mentioned earlier. like a very like I don't know if it was the fretless or the way that sound was a very like uh, Pink Floydy shine on you crazy diamond kind of sound mm. that just ended that guitar solo okay yeah Overall, these songs are probably just a little too long. 
Yeah. Like they're I all was like thinking five. that about like two minutes ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's still going. But it's it's a 64-minute album. And these songs are all five and a half to six minutes long for the most part. long fade out there but there you have it that is so much love to give now we have so many ratings to give john what do you think of so much love to give um i i have so many 2.5s to give <laughs> i feel like i'm not gonna stop giving them uh this was this was okay i mean it was i mean i'll be honest it was a bit of a slog to listen to it it was just like ugh. but i will say that I mean, the it had a, like a nice melody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hughes, of course, is always sings well, and um, I do agree with you. As the guitar was the kind of the bluesiest so far that has been on the album. It did kind of have that, like you said, that Pink Floydy type of sound to it. But it's just like also there was this kind of like hook in it, this this melody that I can't place, but I feel like I've heard it somewhere before. Um, that, that hook that's in the song, uh, it's catchy. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it's not, you know, um, for lack of a better word, very original. Yeah. You know, like, not like it was stolen or something, but it's like the da na na da na na you know? Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Um, yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's it's nice. It's like it, it elicits a nice response. You know, you're just kind of like, oh, that's nice. But I feel like it was you know, done somewhere else, or maybe it's, you know, maybe yeah, it's, a it's like, the, or something it's like, like ascending up whole steps and then going on a scale and then going back down to the, to the note before it and then going up and down and, yeah. but, but ultimately ascending and, and kind of creates that, that tension. And he matched it with the guitar solos too, like, like bending his notes up into those, into each one of the ascending parts. But, you know, it's like, again, it's, that's kind of like a little wing catch the rainbow sort of. Yeah sort of thing and it wasn't it's not a one four five progression but it's, it's something else that can kind of work out really bluesy yeah it was it was all right but uh you know i would say just pretty pretty standard pretty average you yeah. know i'll give it a three i liked it a little bit more than that um but uh but yeah i kind of agree with everything else that you're saying um yeah i don't think i have anything else to add which means we're wrapping up the first section of this album Here I was thinking it'd be a short episode. Well, I guess it'll be a a little shorter than normal. Um, But that means we have to um, do something very important before we move on. And that is, of course, to thank our foundation level patrons. Um, And coming in at the three pound aromatic feed tier, we have, of course... Simon Ford. At the $3.33 halfway to evil tier, we have Stephen Sharp and Duncan Leesk. At the $3 nobody's perfect tier, we have Peter Gardeau. Mark Roback. Ian DeRosier. Stuart McCord. Then we have... Ivan Fieldboo. 
Runar Siemensen. JJ Stenard, Ruinous Inadequacies. John Maselli. Oh, you, uh, you nozzle great. <laughs> and <Boy, you> bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Boyette and Corey Morissette from and the podcast will rock, among other things. At the $1.71 I Want My Own Tear Tear, we have... Rich, young, we... Shaylor. Something that'll make you rich. Who the hell is that? At the 10 kroner tier, we have Karsten Lau. At the one pound tier, we have Lord Longford. At the $1 made-up name tier, we have the You Don't Have to Save Me Anymore Because I'm Dead, Leaky Mausoleum. Uh, at the Stephen Somerville, the Concerto 1999 fanatic, Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel. <coughs> Blackmore Tights. And Steve Down to Earth Kohler. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple podcast. All right, here we are, halfway through the LA Blues Authority album. This show was brought to you by uh, by uh, after we got a permit from the LA Blues Authority to uh, share it with you today. So thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, we got the we got all the necessary permits to continue. You got all the permits. We paid off everyone that we need to pay off to <laughs> grease the palms that needed to be greased. And, uh, yeah, especially Greasy Palm Wilson over there. <laughs> Greasy Palm. Hey, that was a, a famous blues man. Greasy Palm Wilson. <laughs> That's right. And he talked like this. <laughs> I love his stuff. All right, John. Well, I guess we'll be meeting up next week to do it all over again. Well, not this part. The second half of the The album. second half. Maybe... Eh, it's going to take won't. a huge turn, John. <laughs> the second half is going to be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be way bluesier next time. And it's like, you know, it's like, this is an album I would put on every so often. It's not like, it's not, there's nothing objectionable about it, but yeah, it, it's. No, you know, it's all right. I mean, there are, there are I, over the years, there are like a couple of songs I think I've listened to off of this just because I'm like, oh, I remember that album, but, you know, I haven't heard the whole thing in forever. Yep. So. And I don't think I've ever, I mean, nothing is ringing a bell so far, so. All right, John. And everybody, we will see you next week. E. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. All right, well, go kick, go kick some ass. I'm going to go kick some 8, eight to 11-year-old ass. <laughs> Nobody leave this place without singing the blues.